0: This is the Building Resilience Podcast episode 89 Q&A part 2. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host Leah Davidson and I am a certified life coach and speech-language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Welcome to the Building Resilience podcast, everybody. I am excited to have you here yet again this week. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for sharing this podcast. I love it when people tell me that they are learning. I just love doing this podcast. So thank you so much for listening. This week, we are continuing on with part two of Q&A. Last week, I answered a bunch of questions that some listeners and some clients have been asking me, and today I want to continue. And I just want to also let you know it is the end of the month, and I have my new group program that is starting up, Burnout to Balance. And if you sign up before September 1st, which is coming up, Tomorrow, if you sign up, then there are some really sweet bonuses. This is a beta test group, so I am excited to be offering it. It is for women only this time around. And it is because it's a beta test group, it's going to be a fraction of the investment that you would put in. And I do have to say, I am super proud of it. It is Awesome. We are going to be learning so much. Even if you don't feel like you're completely burnt out, I'm sure in some area of your life, you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed. We are going to talk so much about it. You're going to learn about your nervous system. You're going to learn about your emotions. You're going to learn about managing your mind. And you're going to get some great practical tools, help you have better relationships, connect better with people, yourself, find more purpose and intention. It's just such an awesome program. I am so, so, so proud of it. And I am so excited to share it with you. So if you have not checked it out yet or gotten the information, then reach out. Leah Davidson Life Coaching. Send me a DM or email me and I would love to share with you the information. Now today we're continuing our Q&A and the first question I'm going to be answering is what are some practices that would help me manage my time balancing life between work or school or social life and family and health? And this is something that I think most of us struggle with, this balance of How do we balance all the things that we need to do versus that we want to do our obligations with our desires? And so time management is always a hot topic and I always have a lot to say about it, but obviously we don't have a ton of time. So I am just going to give you a few things to think about and to talk about now. Most of us, when we think about managing our time, what it really comes down to is not managing our time. Rather, we need to manage our energy and manage our priorities. That's the first thing to think about. We all have 24 hours in a day. And you can ask yourself the question, so why is it that some people get so much accomplished and other people don't? It's usually a function how they're managing their energy and their priorities. So that's a little bit of food for thought. Now, practically, I will tell you that we can divide time management into sort of two sections. Two sections. We do have to look at the number of hours that we have in a day and what we're trying to squeeze into those hours, because sometimes we just have too much on our list and that's just the way it is. There's just too much going on. And I will tell you, we want to Plan. So one of the first secrets is planning. And if you listen to what people say about budgeting and becoming like self-reliant financially, they usually give some recommendations like set aside 10% of your income for savings and then learn to live on the rest and budget out all your important things, your non-negotiable things like rent, bills, food. And then afterwards you will see what is left over. I would encourage you to do the same with your time. And I do teach people a process where every week they take one hour of their time to plan for the week ahead. They pull up a calendar and the first thing they do is they schedule in what I would call their savings, which is really the self-care. It's that me time. All the things that you need to do to fuel you, because if you are not charged up, you cannot give anything to others. So me time is whatever self-care that you feel is important to recharge you. And that could be exercise, prayer, meditation, reading, connection time with yourself, with others, with your higher being, your higher power, whatever refuels you. And that's going to be different for everybody. But these really need to become your non-negotiables for your own physical and mental health. So that's the first thing you do is you set aside your savings. You set aside that time for your self-care me time. Next is you're going to prioritize your most important connections. Now, Stephen Covey has this great quadrant of urgent versus important. And he talks about how, or he talked about when he did all his trainings about how often the urgent stuff gets done, even if it's not important. This time around, I want you to really be thinking about what is the important things, not necessarily the urgent things, but the important things. So for me, the important things, really the big ones revolve around my family. So time with my husband, priority with my kids. And that is what I will schedule in next. I refuel me then I connect with the most important people in my life. Now, the third thing you do is you schedule in all the set times, meeting times, appointment times, classes, deadlines, commitments. And these are usually going to fall within like a typical workday. Depending on what your workday is, you may have work in the evenings. Like I sometimes spills over. I do see some clients sometimes in the evenings, but they're going to be set times. And I also like to schedule in some what I call uninterrupted work time. And this is time where maybe I'm doing something creative. Maybe I have to write a report. Maybe I am preparing for a podcast. So I will like turn notifications off, have no interruptions, won't be checking my emails. This is where I'm going to get pure work done. So after you've scheduled in all these set times, and you've scheduled in some uninterrupted work time, then all the extra stuff gets put in. So you may have to do a list of your to-do lists so you can schedule those things in. Planning like this, make sure that all your priorities are covered. Now this is the, like I said, it's the time management factor, but we are managing our time according to what our priorities are instead of managing it according to whatever fire that we have to put out. There will be fires you have to put out. And so you do want to have a little bit of flexibility built into your schedule as well. And I'll also encourage you, don't give yourself unlimited amounts of time to do tasks. There is something called Parkinson's law, which basically says you will take the time you give yourself to do a task. So if you say you have to have something done in one hour, your brain works towards task completion in one hour. But if you say three hours, your brain adjusts to that too. So I do want you to sort of guesstimate how long things take. You can build in a little bit of buffer in case you have to put some fires out but start guesstimating how long things take because you'll get much better at this the more you do it. And then you'll start giving yourself even more realistic timeframes and schedule things into the calendar according to that time frame. Now, working on your schedule is something that I do help a lot of clients with. So if you need help with that, that's something I can definitely help you with. All right. Now the next question that I received Is somebody asking about the kind of attitude they should have when it comes to meeting people, making friends, even dating? Like they feel that they're struggling with having a positive attitude towards meeting people and dating and having friends. Now, when I first read a question like that, I sort of think, all right, what kind of attitude do you think you should have? Is I want you to know that when your brain comes up with a question, You're kind of forcing your brain to answer, and that's a good thing. And most of the time, we already know the answer to our questions. We tend to sit in confusion sometimes because often it's easier and more comfortable than to take the risk of answering our own question or to have to do what we know the answer probably is going to be. So, in this kind of question, I will say, I think you probably already know the answer. What kind of attitude should you have when you're making friends or meeting people or coming to dating? It's to trust yourself. Now, I want you to picture meeting somebody for the first time, whether it be going out on a date or meeting somebody at a get together. And I'm going to give you two choices, person one or person two. And I'm not going to show you any pictures or give you any information about this person or what they like to do or not like to do. You just have to decide based on the information I'm giving you right now. You have to decide based on the thoughts that are going on in their head while they are getting ready about which person you would like to meet. So person one is getting ready and is thinking thoughts like, Oh, I really don't want to go. Like, oh, I hate meeting new people. I hate networking. I hate dating. This is going to be so boring. It's going to be such a waste of time, anyways. I never know what to say. I feel so awkward all the time. And people are usually awkward too. I don't really like people. And they probably have tons of friends already, and they're just going to be talking to me to be polite. Nobody's really serious about getting to know each other. They're either ready to sell you something or they're just there because they want to be building up their social network. I don't even think like, why would they even be interested in me? And you know what? I bet they're not great either. I'm just going to go because I should go. That's the only reason I'm going because I'm going to force myself to go. Okay, so that was person one. Person two this is going to be so interesting. I wonder who I'm going to meet tonight. I wonder what the person's going to be like. I'm totally excited to get to know more people. Now, even if it doesn't turn out, even if I don't meet a ton of people, it's just good getting out there. And it's nice to talk to people and share ideas and view different perspectives. I'm a little bit nervous, but you know what? I think everybody gets nervous when they're meeting new people. Everybody there is probably going to be nervous. And it's definitely hard getting out of my comfort zone, but meeting new people is probably a good way to get out of my comfort zone. And what do I have to lose? Like, way to go me for putting myself out there. And then I'm going to high five myself in the mirror. (laughs) All right. So person one, person two. That's all we know about them, the thoughts that are running through their head. I am going to ask you, who would you prefer... To meet. Who do you want to go out with? Who do you want to run into and start having a conversation with? I think it's pretty easy. Most of us would say, yeah, I'm not so sure I want to meet with person one because they seem like they don't really want to be there. They're kind of down. They're kind of negative. I think I'd prefer to meet with person two, even though person two admitted to being nervous and not sure if this is going to turn out, just seemed to be a little bit more optimism in there. Your attitude matters. Your thoughts matter. Your attitude matters. And if you go into social situations or dating or making new friends or meeting new people and thinking, oh, this is so hard. It's not for you. There's so many failures and you're discouraged. That actually shows up in you. People pick up on it. So watch your inner talk. If you speak out loud what you're thinking, would you be okay with other people hearing it? Or would other people be shocked at how you talk to yourself? So watch yourself talk. Now, the other thing to remember is the idea that the destination is only one way to measure the success of a trip. Remember, it is you coming along on the journey and what you expect experience on the journey that is part of the experience overall. So don't think of meeting people or making friends or dating only being that final destination of having that connection with one person, of finding a relationship or a client or a new best friend. It's about who you're becoming as you go through the process of putting yourself out there to meet somebody, to network, to date. It's about who you become. So yes, your attitude matters. And even if you're not crazy about it, put yourself out there. Because who you become when you put yourself out there is pretty great. Now the next question, I'm going to do a bit of a deeper dive into some relationship stuff because the question is some relationships are really strained and I don't know what to do. I want to be kind, but there are some people that are just difficult. I find it hard to love them. I find it hard to be around them at times. I hear you. I hear you. I tell this story to myself often as well that, oh, so-and-so is just difficult just a hard person to get along with. So what I'm sharing with you today, I am working hard at practicing. I am so not perfect at this. And you know what? That's okay because I'm human. But I want to share with you some of the things that I walk myself through when I'm dealing with quote unquote, difficult people or having difficult relationships. All right, let's first talk about what a relationship is. Now, a relationship It's actually just our thoughts about another person. And in any relationship, we kind of have three things going on. We have like, what do I think of me? What do I think of the other person? And what do I think the other person thinks about me? It really is all in our thoughts. Now, sometimes it is easier to have better thoughts about some people. Usually it's because we see similarities, or we're familiar with these people. So it's easier to think better things. And I share this with you that relationships are all about our thoughts because it is really good news, because you have the ability to change things because you control your thoughts. But let's look at some concrete things to consider when you're with that quote-unquote difficult person. Now, first, I really want to emphasize I'm not talking about learning how to tolerate abuse. Or somebody who really does not treat you well. I'm more referring to that difficult mother in law or friend or child or colleague, people you want to have a relationship with, but it's challenging for whatever reason, not someone who is abusive. So I just wanna make sure that that's clear. So the first thing you wanna do is drop your story about how difficult this person is to love or to like. Because when you tell this story, you're sending your brain on a hunt to find proof that they are difficult. And then it may be a hard story to stop telling. But just try loosening up just a little bit. They are worthy of love. Plain and simple try seeing them through compassionate eyes or curious eyes. Try asking yourself, I wonder why they act the way that they act. Now, curiosity and compassion will get you onto different paths for your brain to follow. Your brain will go down one path when it's like, oh, this person is so difficult. And it will go down a completely different path when you ask the question, I wonder why they act like this. I wonder what has happened to them in their life." That has led them to this place. So that's the first thing. Drop your story, just drop it. The second thing is you really have to decide that you want to love them. You got to commit to loving them. And I love the question what would love do? How would love respond? How would love act? Then truly ask yourself how invested are you in having a relationship, in fixing a relationship, in repairing a relationship? Do you want to invest in the relationship? Because it truly is a choice. You don't have to love everybody if you don't want to. But it actually feels so much better to love somebody than to be frustrated with them. It takes a lot of energy to not love. So if you choose to love, know that you're choosing to love because it feels better. Now, the next thing to do is have a little humble pie. And just drop your need to be right all the time. I know that there's a good expression. Do you want to have a relationship or do you want to be right? This is something that sometimes my husband has asked me. Being right can ruin relationships. We want to be right because our brain thinks that if it's not right, we're going to die. So it's really a survival thing. But you know what? You don't have to be right. Now that doesn't mean you have to be wrong or that you have to give up what you believe in. It just means that you can seek more neutrality. You can accept that you're both right and you're both wrong because let's face it, that's usually what happens. We're all a little bit right and we're all a little bit wrong. You don't have to give up your argument either, but you don't have to fight for your argument so hard. Really, for most things, who cares if you're right? Wanting to prove your rightness can actually cause a lot of tension in you. So let people choose to believe whatever they want to believe. Let them be wrong about you. You can be right without shoving it in somebody's face. And when we just lean towards being like a little bit right and a little bit wrong, rather than we are right and they are wrong. When we lean towards believing that we're all a little bit right and wrong, we actually can feel some relief because having to be right all the time is actually a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, and you can never get there. And that's the problem with something like perfectionism. We're always going after the impossible. You will make mistakes, my friend. You don't have to know and do everything. You are right and you are wrong, and they are right and they are wrong. Do you want your relationship more than you want to be right or wrong? And what's interesting is we can't usually convince people of facts either. It rarely works, rarely. Most people don't turn around and say, Oh, I'm so appreciative of you proving me wrong today. Now, some may, but most don't. Now, you can offer to them. But let go of having the need to have them agree with you. And this ties into the fourth thing. Stop trying to control the other person. And this is something that I think so many of us, me included, innocently do. We try to control other people's behaviors. But guess what? I know my mentor and teacher, Brooke Castillo, always says that adults in relationships get to behave however they want. So let them behave however they want to behave. You don't have to accept their behavior. You can create boundaries about what you will do. But boundaries do not have to come from anger or resentment. You just have to control yourself and deal with how you behave. And boundaries are all about what you will do, not what other people have to do. I think I'm going to have to do an episode on boundaries coming up soon because it's such a big, important topic. You can make a request of another person. You can ask them to do something or not do something. But ultimately, they get to decide if they do it or don't do it. However, when they do it or not do it, don't let it impact your feelings. You get to choose how you feel. Don't hand over your power or your emotions to somebody else. Do not make how you feel and then subsequently act based on their actions. It's too much power to give anybody. They don't do a very good job of taking care of us. It's hard, but it's well worth investing time and effort into owning your own feelings. And don't forget, you get to decide how you want to act as well. No one can force you. They can make requests, but they can't force you to do anything either. You get to decide how you want to show up in your life do things because that is the kind of person I choose to be rather than doing things from a place of resentment or obligation. I often ask myself, am I going to be resentful if I do this? And if I am, then I have to check in with myself and ask myself, okay, why am I trying to do it? And often I'm trying to do it because I'm trying to please somebody or I'm trying to make things easier on somebody else. So check in if you're feeling obligated and resentful. Do you want to do this thing and feel obligated and resentful? No, you want to do this thing. So can you just do it and drop the resentment? And if you can't, And maybe you can come up with something else that you can do. Obviously, it's easier said than done, but the first step is to lean into it. And then the last thing that can help you in these quote unquote difficult relationships is take 100% responsibility for the relationship and for you. Now, it may not always be fair, but that is the way it is take 100% responsibility for how you feel, how you feel about their behaviors. You don't have to take responsibility about how they feel or how they behave. You're taking responsibility for how you feel. If you want to be mad or frustrated at them, then do so. But understand that you're choosing to be mad or frustrated. Rather than saying, he gets me so frustrated, own it and say, I'm choosing to be frustrated with him right now so much more empowering to be choosing how you feel and not a victim to somebody else. We can't blame people for how we feel. Our thoughts create our own feelings. We take responsibility for our behaviors, not theirs. So that was a bit of a sneaky one. The question is all about how to deal with difficult people. And the answer pretty much all falls on you, it seems. And I want you to think of that as being super empowering. You choose, you decide. Now, it would be so nice if we could change other people, but we usually can't. We can influence them for sure. And remember, in that choice you have, you can just decide that you're choosing to disengage or choosing to not associate. That's fine too, but own it as your choice. And if you want to make some solid choices, You need to know how to regulate yourself. You cannot be making clear choices when you're all amped up in emotion or you're all stressed out in a stress response, which is why it's so important to learn about your nervous system. So those are the questions that I wanted to share with you today. The questions and the answers. I hope you found some food for thought. And again, if you have any more questions that you want me to answer or any topics you want me to dive into, then just drop me a line and let me know. And my final ask of you is, if you are benefiting from this podcast, would you please share it with somebody else and pass it along and leave a review? I would love to spread the word for more and more people to be able to hear and have discussions and to learn and to grow along with me. Have a great week, everybody. I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.